Welcome to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast, the podcast that covers all things about humans, technology, and particularly the bit in between, with your host, Barry Kirby. So, in this first podcast that we're going to do for 1202, I want to explore why you uh, why it's called 1202. For those of you who maybe have been intrigued and looked upon it, you might have found out that this is down to the Apollo missions. It's the been the anniversary around the landing on the moon. And I think what a lot of people maybe don't recognise is just how much went on in the background of the Apollo mission and just really how close it came to being scrapped completely. And then maybe in this in this modern age, it, it might have been scrapped just because of the things that were going wrong. So what I'm going to hopefully cover in this podcast is the specific issue around 1202 and 1201 and what that means from a, a human factors perspective. What have we learned from that and um, could things have been done better? But then also we want to go and look into the wider issues around the Apollo mission. Why was it so successful? What motivated people to to work on it, to work hard? And really, what what was the environment like that, that it operated in? There was a lot of issues around uh, that was happening in Apollo. Cast off to nothing afterwards. Nothing has really been done to that, that same level. And why not? So, 1202 itself was a program alarm. And it was really down to that point, around the 15 minutes descent, that the Eagle, which is obviously the, the landing module of the spacecraft, to actually land on the moon. The period in time was the was the departure or the um, splitting up of the of the spacecraft. And you then had the two people within uh within Eagle, so that Aldrin and Armstrong. And they were descending down to the moon's surface. They 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 were going down towards the surface. It wasn't very long and nobody's ever done this before. They've done lots of simulation, they've done lots of um, training, but they've never actually gone down to the moon. Nobody's done it before. So they really are this sort of trend setting. As they are not very far out, things are generally going relatively to plan. They've got some things that are happening that's happened in their scenarios and they, they know what's going on. But then they get this program alert called 1202. And none of them had really seen this 1202 before. They didn't know what it meant. With only sort of six, seven minutes to go, this was a real issue that they had to get sorted out. And it's the, when you listen to the, the recordings of communications at the time. These guys are consummate professionals. They're test pilots, they've got bags of experience, particularly for people so young, and everything else that they're doing is is, is by the by the numbers. But this, when this come up, you can actually almost hear some um, uh, some emotion in the voice because this was something that they didn't they didn't know about. So if we listen to the audio, then we can talk a bit more about what it is and what it means. Thank you. 
So that audio was all about that period in time when they came down and they and they had this uh, 12.02 warning. A um, bit later on, it actually is a 12.01 warning, which is effectively the same thing. Because what happened, or what we found out, say we, what they found out, is that there was basically the, the, the way that the computer worked it was a minuscule computer compared to modern standards. Most people's, I guess, phones have way more power than what these, uh, what the computer had at the time. And it had a, a heap of capacity that was already done. There's already built into what we would call read-only memory or ROM memory. And they could be called in, basically called, it, called in the different uh, functions to be able to do different things. And what was happening, the the lander had overshot the, the landing zone that was anticipated and Buzz Aldrin had taken the decision to uh, semi-manually fly the lander. And so they were sh- um, trying to find a, a place to land because a lot of the, what they were looking at at the, mirror, at, at the window was was rock. It, it didn't look a good place to, to land. And they had a li- very limited fuel situation. Basically, in the, in this instance, they were uh, trying to work out where to where to land using the navigation aids available, and the navigation computer the was basically overloading. It was there was just too much too much information there, and it was um, basically crashing. What was quite interesting about this is that it came up and they they reviewed it and because of um, they didn't know what was going on it went back to mission control they came back and did the analysis and and it came back that it was it was fine in reality what was happening was the was the computer was getting was realizing it had too too much input and so it couldn't process everything so effectively it would do a reboot now this was a mission critical system and so it rebooted into a safe, uh, into a safe way, but carry on doing what it was doing, without repeating what it had to do. Now this was uh, realised in Mission Control, and so they took control of of them elements. They kept on viewing what what they called uh, their their Delta H, and that was to make sure that um, um, activity that they were doing that was basically overloading overloading that computer. But what, from my perspective, makes the 1202 really, really interesting is this idea that then it was the best that they could do at the time. Whereas now, if we give an operator a random code for an alert, it is just not good enough. The We should be providing in enough direction and, and, uh, and information for the operators to, to be able to understand very quickly um, how severe and a much more descriptive um, idea about what the actual problem is, ideally with some direction on how to fix it as well. But it's all very well from our perspective looking back and saying, oh, you could have done this better. They couldn't have. This was this was the best they had at the time. And actually, it's quite a testament to the to the teamwork between what was going on in the lander and what was actually going on in, in mission control that they could they could pull the answer together really quite quickly from something that they hadn't really seen before. The other thing they did around this was they drilled and simulated a lot to make sure that they knew exactly what they were doing. And that is why so much money was was sunk into this project. It wasn't necessarily all around the technology. The the man hours alone to make sure that these astronauts knew exactly what was going on, which is what made it such a highly technical task. You 
basically trained and trained and trained. When you can hear in all the interviews that that these these guys didn't go out and go and get get drunk very often, it was very very much focused on what they're doing. So, in the grand scheme of things, this this twelve o two and the twelve o one because twelve o one was just the, the same sort of error. I find absolutely fascinating. It was that culmination of reporting, talking to people, trying to work out a solution, and essentially making a go-no-go decision in minutes in an endeavour that nobody's ever done before that could have easily gone the wrong way. When the uh, so, some of the post-interviews were done, and there's some really interesting um, in bits and where where um, Armstrong and Aldrin were were saying yes we simulated for this so in simulation we if it looked iffy we were going to abort but when it actually came down to it if it looked iffy they were going to land they were just so focused on their mission and what they were doing it was uh, it, it was quite phenomenal why was everybody really into doing the space race what was this all about fundamentally it was down to kennedy as president giving this simple but very effective order to be on the moon within a decade and return safely which was just fantastic it was so clear it was simple it was concise it galvanized a a country now fundamentally as well it was set against a background of the cold war the Russians had already got to space. Yuga Garin had um, been into space very successfully. So obviously there was the idea that the Americans had to go that one step further. And this wasn't his only endeavour to try and do something better. There was uh, a project around desalination uh, and, and a few other things, but this was the one that captured the imagination. They threw lots of money at it. There was a lot of things that they were needed. They didn't even know... The basics about what it is they were going to do, never mind get a man on the moon. So it just shows that that one clear aspiration and that one clear mission can really drive people forward. That's almost been its undoing as well, because they've been to the moon, made their mark, and that's been it. Because after the at the end of the Apollo missions, particularly there was the disaster, as we all know, with Apollo 13, the appetite for space just hasn't been there in the in the same way and i think possibly it is down to this lack of this lack of a simple mission this idea coupled with the money to make it happen we talk about going to mars nowadays this is my idea of just absolute heaven is to be able to work on one of these type of projects where you're looking at something completely pioneering and this idea of be at least be part of this mars mission i think would just be such an amazing thing to work on Obviously, the, we now have the, the International Space Station, which has people going to and from it all the time. But not least of all, from a UK perspective, uh, Tim Peake's endeavours out there, and he did an awful lot to raise, uh, raise the ambitions behind space. But I think we've still got a way to go. If somebody is listening and they are planning a prospective mission right now and they need some human factors, please don't hesitate to get in touch. So that's the end of this podcast. I would just like to say thank you for for bearing with it. There's been it's certainly been a very informative exercise for me in terms of putting a podcast together. As you can tell, there are lots of mistakes. The editing behind this is going to be quite phenomenal. I don't think I've said um quite so many times. But what I hope to achieve in this podcast going forward is the ability to bring new interesting ideas, concepts, 
um, and just generally discuss around some of the either the news articles that are going going on or um, some of the, some tools techniques that might be new upcoming or even maybe some of the old ones because some you know, sometimes you just can't beat a classic. And fundamentally, also I want to be able to interview and talk to people within the human factors world, so we get an idea from their perspective um, going forward. But for now, I shall leave the the final words back to the um, the Apollo team, or more more specifically the Eagle team, because they did it then, and what we need is somebody to go and do it now. Thank you for listening to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. Please do get in touch with your thoughts, questions, and comments. You can contact us at www.barrykirby.co.uk and on Twitter at B-A-Z underscore K. See you next time. And remember, it's more than just common sense.